Well, there are five, five major parts, really, to Jesus' life and ministry. His birth, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and then his return. Now, three out of those we're pretty good at remembering. His birth, Christmas, you can't really miss it, you know, unless you kind of hide yourself away for the whole month of months of October, November, December. We can remember Jesus' birth. We're pretty good at marking that. Now, Easter, again, we get a bank holiday, and so again, we're good at remembering Good Friday, his death. We're good at remembering Easter Sunday, his resurrection. But on Thursday last week, was a huge day in the church calendar. 40 days after Jesus rose again, we remember his ascension. But I know for many of us, because in our church often we don't follow the church calendar that closely, we can miss it. And it's a real shame. You know, in some countries they do get a bank holiday. And if we hadn't had as many bank holidays as we had over the last uh, few weeks, it'd be good to kind of say, hey, can we have a bank holiday for Ascension Day? Uh, because in places like Sweden, Germany, France, other countries, they have um, a special holiday on that day. But uh, why don't we remember it as much as the other parts of Jesus' life, do you think? Well, one reason could be that it seems a bit strange to us. You know, we can think about his uh, birth. Nice to think of a baby being born. We can get that in our minds might have seen it, someone in our family's experienced it, or, or we've experienced it ourselves. We might think about his death. His death is uh, an important part of um, thinking of all we do as a church, thinking about the cross. We keep that focus and central. Um, his resurrection, again, we can think about how important, how much great news that is. But when we think about Jesus' ascension, listen to those words in Acts 1 verse 9 again. When he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. It sounds strange, doesn't it? Hard to grasp, and maybe something that we can be a bit embarrassed about. It sounds a bit like, you know, Mary Poppins floating away. Or end, so many films end like that kind of idea of this raising up. <clears throat> it can seem a bit far-fetched, a bit strange, a bit removed from our daily lives. But actually, this morning, I want us to see that the ascension is amazing news. And actually, in all the ways we'll look at this morning, it should impact our lives every single day. Not just once a year, but every day. We need to remember that Jesus is our ascended king. <clears throat> now, before we get into that news, I, I, we're going to look at Hebrews 9 to help us think about what the ascension means today. Uh, but to understand Hebrews 9, we just need to do some background work on, in the Old Testament about the tabernacle and a high priest. Okay, so just... Um, listen for a moment about what, what that helps us with and why Jesus, uh, why God set up the tabernacle and the high priest in the Old Testament. Now, maybe over this last week, there are things that have happened in your life where you thought, does God really care? If this has happened, does he really care about me? And we can easily lose sight of it, can't we? God's daily care and love for us. Easy for us to lose sight of it. But... In the Old Testament, God gave a huge reminder to his people that he deeply cared about them. What was their big reminder? Well, the big reminder was the high priest. The high priest. The high priest worked in the tabernacle, which then was a tent, but then became a more permanent building in the temple. And so the high priest was there. And remember what the temple was. The temple, when God's people were walking around the wilderness, was the tent, the tabernacle. And in that, God said, put it right in the center of the camp, because I want you to remember that I'm with you. Because in the temple was these two sections, the holy place 
And then there was a curtain, and then there was the most holy place. And in the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant, this box that was covered with gold, uh, with two cherubim sitting on top, which was a bit like a throne. And the idea was, in that place is the throne where God dwelt with his people. So every day, God's people would wake up, and they would look out their tent. They'd zip it up or down, you know. I know they didn't have zips, but imagine. The zips go up, and they look, and they see God is with us. There he is. He's in the tabernacle in the holy, most holy place, the holy of holies. And running the temple was the high priest. Does God care about us? God gave them the high priest. And what did the high priest show them? Show them that God cared deeply. One of the things that they would see was the high priest's clothes. Look very, if somebody walked in today in the high priest's clothes, we would look very, you know, we'd, you'd have to take two or three looks at them because it was a strange look. But everything that the high priest wore was to tell God's people something about him. One of the most important things he wore was this breastplate. And on this breastplate were 12 gems. The idea was each of those gems was representing one of God's people's tribes. So if you were in the tribe of Judah, you'd see a gem on there and you'd think, he's wearing me, as it were. He's representing me. And on the heart of the high priest were God's people. So he'd pray for them. He would take them into the presence of God. So they'd look and they'd see, God cares for me. I'm there, I'm on his heart. God cares for me. So they saw it. But the other thing was um, that you'd hear them as well. Because the, the high priest's robes had bells on the bottom. So everywhere they walked, you know, you'd hear them. They wouldn't be able to sneak around. They wouldn't be able to go and nip, nip to the shops without anybody knowing because they'd have bells on their robes. So they'd, they'd see the robes and they'd think, God cares about me. They'd hear it and say, God cares, I've got a high priest. Not only that, but they would smell in a particular way. And it was a nice smell. <laughs> they were anointed with oil. And not just a little bit of oil, like Prince Charles the other week that happened behind that screen, but this was oil was poured on them. And it was a scent that would come out. So as they would smell that scent, they would think, I've got a high priest, and God cares about me. So all of God's people, living and gathered around the tabernacle, would see I've got a great high priest, and, and God cares. So it was God's big reminder to them. Now, how does that help us today? Well, as we come to this passage, we need to realize there was one huge day in Israel's calendar, and that was the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, it was called. And one day of the year, the high priest would go not into the holy place, but beyond the curtain into the most holy place where God's presence dwelt in a special way. They could only go in once a year. And so it was a huge day because he would go into there and he was going to deal with God's people's sins. Now, lots of things happened about this. You can read about it in Leviticus 16. So do read that if you have time today just to see that what I'm saying is true. Um, and you'll see there that one of the things that happened was there was two animals involved. There's, few, there's, another, there's another animal involved, well, but we'll just focus on two for now. Uh, there was two goats. And what the high priest would do was all of God's people would gather around and he would put his hand on the head of the goats. And, and what, would, what that would be doing was, he would be transferring God's people's sins, it's symbolic, you know, he wasn't really doing it, but he was symbolically putting God's people's sins on these goats. And so he would take one goat, and that goat would be killed. This is what you deserve for the wrong you've done. The goat was killed, and the blood was taken in to the holy place to show, look, somebody's died for our sin. So he would go into the Holy of Holies, the place where God dwelt, with the blood that said blood has been shed. 
Why did blood have to be shed? Well, that's the judgment we deserve. In the Garden of Eden, remember when they were sent out, God's put in protection there, flaming sword. And somebody had to go through the sword to get back into God's presence. So they were going through the sword. Blood was being shed. And then, um, the other, there was two goats. So one was killed, but the other one was called the scapegoat. And the other one was led out before the people into the wilderness to say, look, your sin has been taken away and you'll never see it again. That's the idea, your sin being taken away. So every year, they would see the high priest going into the temple, into the tabernacle, which became the temple, and there he was going. He was going into God's presence, and then he would come out and carry on the rest of his duties. Now, so one day a year, they think, my sin has been dealt with. But then, you know, a few days later, they think, well, the day of atonement has to happen again next year, so my sin will need to be dealt with again. Now, we need that background to understand Hebrews 9 and then for us to really get to the grips with what the ascension means for us. So what does all that have to do with our ascension? What with the ascension? What does goats and blood and priests, what does that have to do? Well, let's ask this question then. Why is the ascension such amazing news? Four reasons this morning. The first is this, because the ascension means we have access to God, access to God. Look at verse 24 with me. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, not the pretend picture of the tabernacle, not into places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Now, uh, I don't know if you've ever been dragged onto the internet, you can get these clickbait things, you know, things that think, oh, look what this is, click here and you'll find out more. One of the things they use is this, have you seen what this child actor looks like now? Where are they now? And you think, oh, I would like to know what the Goonies look like now, or I would like to know what somebody in E.T., or I would like to know, you know, and you think, oh, what are they up to now? And if you haven't done that, maybe you've seen them in magazines or newspapers. This person who used to be a child actor, now look at them. And you wonder, what are they doing now? And you find out they're a postman in, you know, I don't know, Devon or something. And you think, oh, that's interesting. But when we ask the question about Jesus, what's he doing now? The answer is wonderful. Because Jesus, we're told, ascended, and then verse 24, now he is in the real holy place. Not just the picture to remind us of the holy place, but the real holy place, into heaven itself. And he goes there, end of verse 24, on our behalf. Remember the, the breastplate that the high priest was wearing, with gems on it, 12 gems representing God's people, and he was carrying God's people into the presence of God. Well, now Jesus our great high priest has gone into the real heaven and he says, I am going on your behalf. I am going on your behalf. Remember how a Christian is described in the New Testament so many times. We are in Christ. We've sung it already. Our life is hid with Christ on high. We are in Christ. So that means that what is true for Jesus is true for us. He is in the presence of the Father with us on his heart. He is there on our behalf. What difference does that make to you today? Listen to this. How close are you to God now? If I were to ask you that, how close do you feel? You might think, well, I've been struggling, actually. I feel quite distant from him. You look at your last week, month, year, and you think, I've done so many things that's broken God's heart. I, I must be far from him. I've been angry. I've got jealous. I, I've been holding bitterness in my heart. I'm selfish. I've hurt other people. I've, I've done things that I just really regret. I must be far from God. But look at this truth of the ascension, what it shows us. If you're a Christian, you are in Christ. 
Everything that is true for him is now true for you. You are righteous. You are accepted. You are loved. You are hidden in Christ. And that means you can rest in his presence. That there you are. You are accepted in him. You can sit in his presence. And you have access to the Father through Jesus. He's done it all. And that means we can approach with confidence to God. We don't come thinking, oh, I... I, I don't know if you'll accept me today. We come in the name of Jesus. And does God the Father accept Jesus' as Son? Yes, without a doubt. And we come in his name. Our life is hidden in Christ. So this morning, stop looking at yourself and look to Jesus. Stop uh, obsessing about your failure and look to the victory and the forgiveness of Jesus. Because that's where our life is hid, with Christ on high. And we have access to God the Father. Remember the story, I don't know how true it is, but the story told of in the American Civil War, there was a family tragedy, so a soldier was given permission to go and see the president. And he wanted to ask for exemption from military service. He wants to go home to see his family after the grief that they were experiencing. So he went to the White House, but he was refused entry and couldn't get beyond those gates. And so he sat in a park nearby and he was just really sad and upset in his soldier's uniform. And this boy came up to him and said, you know, you look sad, what, what's wrong? So he explained the situation and the boy said, oh, come with me. So the boy walked up to the same gates that he couldn't get to on his own and the gates flung open. He kept walking past all the security guards, all the government officials standing um, to attention when this little boy passed uh, and the soldier couldn't believe it. And he was amazed because they came to the presidential office and he went in without knocking, um, and he just walked straight in. And Abraham Lincoln turned to him and said, um, he was in the middle of a conversation with the Secretary of State, important conversation, said, Todd, my son, what can I do for you? You see, he said, Dad, I need you to talk to the soldier. The, because he was with the son, he had access right to the powers that be. Now again, I don't know how true it is, but you see the point is getting across. We come in Jesus' name, and the gates of heaven fly open. Because we come not in our righteousness, not because of what we've done, but Jesus is our high priest who stands there on our behalf. So all that stuff in the Old Testament that you read and think, what is this all about? Can you see how it helps us to see we've got a high priest and it gives us access to God. We have access to God. Why is the ascension good news? Because Jesus now ascended to heaven as our high priest in the presence of God the Father and we can speak directly to God through him. So that's the first thing. That's why it's good news. And do you see how that affects us every day this week? When we come to pray, we don't think, I come based on my performance. I come uh, with offering, here's what I've done. Can I come into your presence now? No, we say, I come because my life is in Christ. I can't do it on my own. Access to God. The second thing we see of why the ascension is good news is because we have forgiveness from God. Forgiveness from God. Look at verse 25 and 26. Uh, why did he go to the presence of God? It wasn't to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters into the holy place every year with blood not his own, for then he would have to had suffered repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So remember the two goats that there were on the Day of Atonement. One uh, was killed and blood was taken into the holy place and blood was sprinkled around to show this goat has taken the place of the people. Death has been shed. He's gone through the sword, as it were, into the presence of God. So at the end of the day, God's people say, my sin has been dealt with. Thank you, God, for dealing with my sin. But then, as I said, a few days later, thinking, hang on, 
We've got Yom Kippur in the diary on the calendar for next year as well. So is, that, is my sin dealt with? We'll, we'll have to do it again. So there's always a reminder that sin had to be dealt with. But here we're told Jesus, not only was he the high priest, but he was also the sacrifice. So no longer do we have bulls and goats, but Jesus went and shed his blood for us. Our sin was transferred to him, and he went into the cross, went to the cross, and he died, and, and that is it. Do you see what it says here? This is um, once and for all, the end of the sacrificial system, because Jesus is our sacrifice. He's paid for it. It's done. Now, what difference does that make to our life? It means that your sin has been paid for and dealt with once and for all. We don't have to worry about next year, the Day of Atonement happening again, because there is no more. The atonement is done. Jesus has paid it in full. Listen to how Isaiah 53 puts it. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He took it on himself. So think on that for a moment. When Jesus ascended to heaven as our great high priest, 40 days after that first Easter Sunday, how many of your sins were future? All of them. How many of your sins were covered? Every single one. His blood was shed, and it has been shed, and there is no more sacrifice needed. It's done. So that means today, all the guilt and shame that so often we might want to carry can be left. It can be gone because Jesus has paid for it. Every single sin, past, present, and future, the, ones that we, the ways we've messed up that we don't even realize yet, he's already paid for it. Do you believe the cross is enough for your sin? Yes, even that that you're thinking of now. Do you believe the cross is enough? Because here we're told there is no need for another sacrifice. Today, you might be thinking, well, I can't be forgiven because of this or that. But look, the cross is enough. The blood has been shed. The blood of Jesus has been shed. And that means that anything that we've done can be forgiven. What amazing news. So often, we might not want to accept that. And look what's happening at that time. We are putting ourselves above God and saying, the cross isn't enough. I need to pay for it now. Can you see how offensive that is to God? Accept the gift of forgiveness. He's paid for it. Yep, dealt with. Come on, live in the joy of that, that your sin is gone. So today we rest in the presence of the Father knowing that our sins have been dealt with. And as, even as we're thinking of that now, we feel the power of sin being loosened. Suddenly it is not as attractive as it, as it was because we see I've been forgiven. Jesus has dealt with that. Why would I want to play with that anymore? Why do I want to mess about with sin when Jesus has dealt with it for me? It transforms our life. Rest. Good news of the ascension. Why? Firstly, because it gives us access to God. We are hid with Christ. He's our high priest in the presence of God on our behalf. Secondly, forgiveness from God because he is our sacrifice as well as our high priest. The third thing is this. The ascension means comfort in God. Now, I wanted to mention something that isn't explicitly in our passage here. But I wanted us to think on this because it's a really helpful thing about the ascension. Because Jesus is our high priest, 
that means something wonderful. Listen to this in Hebrews 7. Consequently, Hebrews 7, 25, you'll see this. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Remember, one of the jobs that the high priest did was he was to pray for God's people. He was to bring their needs before God. And see what we're told here? The fact that Jesus is our ascended high priest, he is in heaven now praying for you by name with all the needs that you have and he will never stop doing it. He knows you by name. He knows the struggles that you have. On Friday night, we were, we were going through the alphabet with the children uh, with, in Kids Zone, telling them about God's character. So every letter tells about God's character like we looked at here on Sunday mornings last year. And on um, Friday night, we looked at the omnis, how he was omnipotent, uh, omniscient. And when we talk about omniscient, he knows everything. Uh, Tom shared that God even knows the amount of hairs on your head. And one of the children said, I don't even know that. And I was like, that's the point. We don't, do we? I don't know how many hairs are on her head. And I know for some of us it's getting less. But that's okay. <laughs> because God knows. He knows all the numbers of hairs on her head. He knows everything about us. He knows it all. And he prays for you. He knows the things that you worry about that you don't even realize you're worrying about. He knows the things that wake you up and you don't even realize that they're on your mind and heart. He knows. And he's praying for you. Robert Murray McShane, who was a preacher in England a few centuries ago, has this wonderful quote. I'll kind of paraphrase it. Imagine if you could hear somebody praying for you in the next room. And it wasn't just anybody, but it was Jesus. You could hear him praying for you by name for that thing you're struggling with. How much courage would that give you? He's praying for me. And then Robert Murray McShane says, but it doesn't matter really that, um, about space because he is praying for you. Might not be in the next room, but he is praying for you. Nearer than the next room. He's with you, praying for you. Imagine the confidence it would be to hear it. Well, he is. He's our great high priest. So he is in heaven. And this is another thing that the ascension means is this. In heaven, we have somebody who is a f who's fully man, a human in heaven. Now, the, um, uh, that does blow our minds, and I can't answer all questions about that, but there is skin on the throne in heaven. That's what the ascension means. And one of the things that means for us in our daily lives is that there is somebody in heaven who knows what it's like to live in this world. So Hebrews 4 puts it like this. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Yet without sin. So Jesus has been through everything we've been through, every struggle and temptation, every trial, he's been there. Hunger, he's known it. You look through the Gospels, tiredness, the temptation, sorrow, death. He's fully human, not superhuman, fully human. He knows our weaknesses, he's been there. Um, every challenge you've faced, he has faced it. Every temptation, pride, anger, lust, selfishness, greed, revenge, doubt, fear. He's been there. He's felt the pull and he stood strong. And he faced it to the extreme and never gave in. You think of a storm coming on a forest. And at the end of the storm, there's one tree standing there. Which tree faced the full power of that storm? It's the one that stood, isn't it? The others didn't feel the power of it because they, they fell over. Well, Jesus stood strong and faced the storm of temptation and he knows what it's like to go through it. 
and not give in. So we give in too easily, but he stood strong, so he knows what it is. He knows what it is, and he gets it, and he is praying for you in your temptations and in your struggles. He's been there. Did you know that Jesus is praying for you in your struggles, with your specific temptations? Remember that. Be encouraged by that today. But maybe as well, it's important for us to, well, it is important for us to remember that not only does he know our struggles, but he knows our trials as well. Every grief that we've been through, he's been through. He's a man of sorrows. He knew what it was to have worry and anxiety and stress. He has been there. He knew what it was like even to be tempted to end his own life. Remember what Satan said to him? Throw yourself off the temple. He's been there. Have you felt like that? He's been there. Jesus knows what it's like. We were talking about Coy Ten Boom hiding place before the service. In that um, book, uh, it, she tells the story of some uh, point that this struck home for her. Coy Ten Boom is a converted, uh, is a Jewish Christian who lived through um, the Second World War. Uh, she was Jewish, who so ended up in a concentration camp. And this is what she said: What happened one of those days in concentration concentration camp? Fridays was the recurrent humiliation of medical inspection. The hospital corridor in which we waited was unheated and a fall of chill uh, and a fall chill had settled into the walls. Still, we were forbidden even to wrap ourselves in our own arms, but had to maintain a standing straight, hands at our side position as we filed slowly past uh, the grinning guards. So there they were stripped. It was one of these mornings while we were waiting, shivering in the corridor, that yet another page of the Bible leapt out to me. He hung naked on the cross. The paintings, the carved crucifixes showed at least one scrap of cloth, but this, I suddenly knew, was the respect and reverence of the artist. But oh, at the time itself, on that other Friday morning, there had been no reverence, no more than I had saw the faces around us now. Betsy, that's her sister, she said, they took his clothes too. Ahead of me, I heard a little gasp. Oh, Corrie, and I never thanked him. She saw there, Jesus did that for me. He got it. What are you going through and you think nobody understands? Jesus gets it. He gets it. And as we realize that, it draws us to him. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian and you're going through struggles and trials in your life and you think this is too hard. We were never meant to do it on our own. We need a high priest to pray for us, who understands us, who gets us to say, come, come on, trust in me. And Jesus this morning is offering you help. Don't do it alone. Come to him. Christian, have you been trying to do it alone? Trying to do it in your own strength? Look to Jesus. The news of the ascension is wonderful because it means we've got access to God. It means we've got forgiveness from God. It means we've got comfort in God. Listen to this, what it says in Hebrews. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Come to him. The last thing is this, and very briefly, it gives us confidence with God. Look at verses 27 and 28. Just as it is the appointed for man once to die and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Uh, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So the, the high priest would be in the temple. He'd go into the curtain, uh, into the Holy of Holies, and then he would come back out. And he would carry on with his work, and he'd have to keep doing the sacrifices and do all of that as his priestly duties. Well, here this passage is saying that Jesus, 
will return. He'll come out from the Holy of Holies, the Holy of Holies, not the pretend one, the real one, but his role won't be to carry on dealing with sin. His role will be to finish saving us. Now, if we're saved, we're safe with him. If we're trusting Jesus, we're safe with him. But this world is still a mess. This world still needs uh, rescuing. And this is telling us that Jesus is going to come again. And one of the things that means is he's going to come again and we need to be ready to meet with him. If you're not trusting in him today, this is a day of his grace where he's saying, trust in me before it's too late. Because if you're not trusting in Jesus, if he hasn't paid for your sin, you will have to pay for it. And that's what the Bible says is hell. But Jesus says, I want to pay for it for you. Trust in me. So he's coming to save. He's coming to rescue this world and he's going to fix it all. Isn't it wonderful to think that the ascension means that the king in heaven is coming back and that means that one day it'll, all the rubbish will be taken away, all the sad things, all the sickness, all the cancer, all the depression, all the struggles, all gone in the new creation. Jesus is coming to fix it. He's coming to put it right. And that day, as we sung earlier, all things will make sense then. All questions resolved. All the pain that we've gone through. It doesn't make sense now, but then it will, because we can see he's doing a work. It means that there's an end in sight. It means that the struggle you're going through today isn't pointless and isn't never-ending, because Jesus is coming back. However dark it might feel, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope because Jesus is coming back. It means that happily ever afters aren't just a fairy tale thing, but it's a real-life thing with Jesus. It means that there is one who rules and reigns, so the world isn't spinning out of control, but Jesus, our Savior, our great kingly high priest, is ruling and reigning. It means today is another day of grace uh, for us to, to depend on him more and more. So can you see the ascension? It's brilliant news. It's so practical, so helpful. It might sound strange at first, but when we realize what it means for us, it should affect us every day. We need a bank holiday on Ascension Day, don't we? <laughs> to remember it, to pause, to think. Why is the Ascension such good news? It gives us access to God. It means we have access to God. It means we can have forgiveness from God, comfort in God, and confidence with God because is, Jesus is returning uh, and uh, all things will be made new. So let's keep our eyes this week on Jesus, the ascended high priest who is our King and Lord. And I pray that as we think on that, they will comfort our hearts and maybe for the first time today, we turn our eyes to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Call out to him. He won't turn anyone away. And he's inviting and asking each one of us today, trust and turn to me. Let's pray before we sing our last song together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were our great high priest. We thank you that, that picture that we saw in the Old Testament uh, clearly shows us so many glorious truths that we so easily forget that you really do care and we pray now that with our eyes on Jesus you'd keep us going you'd keep us trusting and Lord we pray that we would live lives of faithful service to our great king we ask this in Jesus name amen <laughs>